and we build it on the inheritance that's found in that foundation, that inheritance found in Christ. Romans 8.32, He who indeed did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The Bible's full of references to this inheritance, everyone. This inheritance that we have in Christ, Ephesians 1.11, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. There's other passages that mention that inheritance as well as in Colossians 3 and Hebrews 9. Our inheritance is, in a word, heaven. The sum total of God all of what God has promised us in salvation. That word related to inheritance in Scripture also relates to this word, the portion or, or heritage. And we see that also in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, describing this inheritance that we have in Christ that is our foundation for us into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. According to the Apostle Peter, then, our inheritance is distinguished by four qualities that we see. This foundation looks like this it is imperishable. Do you know that your foundation in Christ is imperishable? It is not subject to corruption or decay. Everything, though, in contrast, on earth is in the process of decay, rusting, falling apart. That law of decay affects our houses, right? Stinking plumbing. Our cars. <sighs> Don't get me started. Our own bodies. Don't even get me started with that. But see, our treasure in heaven, though, is unaffected by that decay. Those who have been born again are born not with a perishable seed, but an imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God, as Peter says. So it's imperishable, as we see in 1 Peter 1.4. We also see that it's unspoiled, free from anything that deforms that foundation degrades. We know that here on earth, anything that man builds, even with a phenomenal foundation, it falls apart. I mean, the Colosseum in Rome is pretty cool with how old it is. But if you notice, no one's using it for the latest football game or soccer match maybe in Italy. I'm sorry, football there. Because it, it's still falling apart. It's lasted a pretty long time. The pyramids, they have lasted a long time. But you know, they're falling apart. Even the most beautiful things of this world are flawed. Man, I love the Eastern Sierra, like I said already. I love looking up at the mountains. 
But you know what you hear every once in a while in the mountains? Massive rock slides. Why? Because those puppies are falling apart. They're degrading. There's a reason that it's half dome. Think about it. The other half is gone. Even the most beautiful things are flawed. And if we look closely enough, we can see the imperfection. We can see the cracks and the crevices. But Christ is perfect. He is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Our inheritance in Him then is holy, blameless, exalted, and pure. No earthly corruption or weakness can touch what God has given to us in Christ. Matter of fact, God makes it very clear about heaven in Revelation 21, 27. Nothing impure will enter the new Jerusalem, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. So, our foundation in Christ is unspoiled. We also see it's unfading. As creatures of this world, it is hard for us to imagine colors that do not fade. Excitement that doesn't start to slow down. Values that don't depreciate. But our inheritance in Christ is not of this world. Its intensity, its glorious intensity never diminishes. God says, I am in the business of making everything new. In Revelation 21.5, it's imperishable, it's unspoiled, it's unfading, and it is reserved. I love sitting in the reserved section of things. Don't the rest of you, you walk in, (laughs) you you guys, you go and you park in the reserve section, and you pay 50 bucks for it, but you're like, I'm somebody, it's reserved. You show up, maybe some of you, if you remember this, maybe you were going to a college visit, and they want to make you feel special. And they, you go up into the parking lot of the college. And there's this placard there reserved for Scott Julian and family. I'm somebody. That's reserved for me. No one else has ever felt like that, I'm sure. But what we see in Scripture here is that what we have in Christ is being kept for us in heaven our crown of glory has our name on it we we don't get me wrong we enjoy many blessings as children of god here on earth don't we we get to hang out with each other we get to be the family together we get to share in the joy and in the sorrow together build each other up together in christ worship together in christ But our true inheritance, our true home is reserved for us in heaven. I love, you know, Abraham says, I'm looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. 
The Holy Spirit guarantees that we will receive eternal life in the world to come in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In fact, in Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14, as we read earlier, when you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. You are reserved for Him. Jesus then praised for the Father to protect those who were reserved for Him. In John 17, 11, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. That is how strong the reservation is. It is lousy to show up when you have a reservation and told that your reservation has been canceled. Because then you kind of go back to the point of, I thought the whole point of a reservation was so that I could have a spot. Sorry, sir, your reservation has been canceled. Well, that kind of ruins the whole idea. But we don't have to worry about that in Christ. No one can steal the reservation from us. All I have in Christ. You get what I'm getting at here? This may be three very small little verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but it's one big idea. Romans 8, 17, Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory We receive the promise of our inheritance by hearing the word of truth and believing in Christ by accepting Christ. And folks, that's the gospel. And one day we will take possession of the portion that has been reserved for us. And Jesus said, what? I'm going away and I'm going to be building. And who's he building for? You, me. If it were not so, I would not tell you that. As he said, Scott Julian paraphrased. John Calvin writes of it in this way, our inheritance. We do not have the full enjoyment of it at present. We walk in hope. And we do not see the thing as if it were present, but we see it by faith. Slaughter are just that, so that we are continually at death's door, yet we are not destitute of a good remedy. And why seeing that the Holy Spirit reigns in our hearts, we have something for which to give praise even in the midst of all of our temptations. Therefore, we should rejoice, Calvin says. We should rejoice, we should mourn, we should grieve, we should give thanks, we should be content as we wait. And when we understand the value 
of the glory of the Lord that awaits for us, we are better able to endure whatever comes our way in life. We can give God praise even when the trials are awful. Because we have a guarantee. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Revelation 21.4 gives us a brief but beautiful description of that inheritance again as well. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. God and man will dwell together. Everything will be made new. The new Jerusalem, our inheritance. Think about it. The river of life will be issued from God's throne. The healing tree of life with 12 kinds of fruit will grow there too. There will be no night there because the eternal light of the Lamb will fill the new heaven and the new earth and shine upon all, all that have a little sign that says, reserved for you. And that's why David then writes, Lord, you, all, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a beautiful inheritance. In Psalms. What we see here is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. How much longer do you want me to talk about all things? I can go all day. I'm jazzed about it. God has given all things to his community through Christ. So rather than saying, I belong to Scott Julian's church, never say that. Exactly, but what you can say is our pastor, Scott, he belongs to us. He's a servant, servant leader. He is a servant leader who has been given to us as a gift. Every single person in this room has been given to every other believer as a gift. Because we are all servants of the Most High God. Use the gifts that God has given to glorify Him and see the joy that happens in the church. You see, in Christ, the church in Corinth already had everything which, for what they were striving for. They didn't have to divide over leaders and those types of causes because all of their leaders were gifts from God. They didn't have to demolish themselves in pursuit of the world because the world was what? It was already theirs. 
Life is not something to be achieved or earned. It's already theirs. Death is not something to be dreaded. It has already been demolished. That's why I love that simple song that we've started to sing, where my God is so big and so mighty, he tramples on death on the cross. The present and future can be fully embraced without anxiety, worry, or alarm because it's all ours. And on top of this, we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. The very Spirit of God, the one who searches the depths of God, dwells in our midst to ensure that the building holds together filling it with life and the beauty of God in Christ. You see, we have all things because of our relationship with Christ. And we belong to him, as it says in verse 23 there. We belong to him, and Christ belongs to God. The, the certainty of the reconstruction lies in this. We are Christ's. Christ is God's. We belong to him. We are his possession. We are his treasure. He purchased us with his blood. Daniel did a great job explaining that once again this morning in our time of communion together. We do not have to fear that the temple will be ultimately destroyed because the temple has already been destroyed, as Jesus mentioned. When Jesus answered Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. The Jewish people then said, it had taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. See, the judgment had already been passed. The temple had already been demolished. God's wisdom is this. It was the very destruction of the temple, Christ's body, that would become the foundation of the temple of God, the Holy Spirit's building, the church, we, God's building. God is so committed to this reconstruction project that he gave up his only life to lay the foundation, ensuring that all things are ours, life, death, even the world itself. So here are the applications. First, if you are in the range of my voice this morning and you do not yet know God as your Lord and Savior through Christ, just a simple alarm needs to be sounded. Please wake up. You should not presume that you have another day. Or another year. But God has graciously allowed you to live today. Do not be deceived. Do not, do not be deceived if you are not a believer yet. If you're not yet a Christian. Do not be deceived about the world's apparent wisdom and prosperity and success. Do not be deceived as we see in Scripture here, as Paul has mentioned over and over again, it all falls apart. 
It's an illusion. The, the most powerful and influential people th- that are not believers in this world, the, the, the brilliant people, wealthy people in this world, all of them will fade. They are as nothing if they don't know Christ, if they are not saved by faith in Christ, they will pass away like nothing. This text that we have been looking at over the last few weeks calls on us to become a fool for Christ. Turn your back on the world's wisdom. Turn your back on worldly goals, false foundations, and place your faith in Christ alone. The gospel is heard every morning here. Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life, who died an atoning death on the cross for sinners like you and me, and all we need to do is trust in him, and your sins will be forgiven. Become a fool like me. Become a fool for Christ. And for those of you who are Christians here this morning, let me conclude with an illustration from sports because otherwise it would not be a Scott Julian sermon. I love college football. And watching it yesterday, I was reminded there are just some teams that are a different caliber than the ones I tend to like. And as much as I can root them on, the championship caliber team is just different. It's built on a different foundation. Well, folks, we are playing for the championship team as Christians. This team wins it all. And we are part of the team. Which means we play the part that God has gifted us to play. We all have the same identity. We all wear the same uniform in Christ. We're all part of the same team. We do have our individual roles. We, we focus on particular giftings that God has given. But when we do this in Him, Jesus is the head. It's harmonious. Everything clicks as it marches through the world together. We have an identical goal because it is the same vision that we have in view. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. That is who we follow. That is who saved us. That is what the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us into following him correctly. And in that we work together. And here's the the joy of all of this, everyone. When you look at this scripture and what Paul is saying, 
the beauty here is that in Christ, we've already won the game. It's all yours. This is the championship team. And you better be ready to enjoy the spoils of Christ, our Savior, who is victorious. Are you ready to enjoy that? Are you ready to celebrate that? Then focus on the true foundation, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for